You better get your tickets and find your seat because the movie is about to begin. And we're going to check out the Italian tour de force horror movie that sets the standard for all the fast moving creatures to come down the line. It's a movie like no other and I'm excited because we're going to talk about the hard rocking, green foaming, gross out Italian flick that is 1985's Demons. Let's go! You have killed and you will kill again. you horror maniacs and welcome back to house of wax and have we got something special for you today easily in my top 10 horror movies of all time and it also made me a fan of italian horror you know i had seen other italian horror flicks but didn't really know they were italian they were just scary movies that were on tv at the time and i knew that they were different but this one's got something special to it man and it really was the first movie that made me want to dive into more italian horror flicks and if you are a fan of italian horror flicks then this is like the dream team coming together and making a movie it's all heavy hitters it's an all-star effort starting off with dardano sarchetti writing the script for the thing and this guy's written more italian hit movies than ron jeremy's had sex partners pretty much every big italian horror flick this guy wrote the script for and also writing this was Franco Farini, the guy that wrote a lot of Argento stuff back in the day. Then you've got music by Claudio Simonetti from the group Goblin, who did the greatest horror scores, I think, of all time. And the movie is produced by the man himself, Dario Argento. I don't really need to say more than that. And it was directed by Lamberto Bava, which is the son of the classic maestro Mario Bava. But Lamberto, at this point, was really starting to crank out some great stuff. So a big breakthrough for him as well. So this is like an Italian horror fan's dream. This dream team coming together. And man, this movie does not disappoint. The preview you are about to watch is for a movie that is unlike any you have ever seen before. It is for a movie that goes beyond temporary fear to everlasting terror. It is a movie called Demons. Yes, the demons are coming, and they're coming for you. Warning, if you have the courage to see demons, sit near an exit. Otherwise, you might never get out. In your theater, who will survive the touch of the demons, and who will not? Demons. With music by Billy Idol, Motley Crue, The Adventures, Rick Springfield, and Saxon. This is no dream. This is happening right now. And it could be happening to you. Demons. They will make cemeteries their cathedrals. And the cities will be your tombs. Will you survive it? Demons.
So we're just going to dive right on into it. The way this movie starts off, we're on a commuter train. And we get some of the finest people of the 80s of all time sitting on this train. We got some flock of seagulls rejects over here. Lots of bright colored dyed hair. That's right. All you new people thinking that colored hair is a new thing. Sorry. It was in the 80s. Had it all the time. We got a Brigitte Nielsen lookalike sitting over here. And she's got Voltron hanging from her ear. And then there's these two ladies. Looks like they've been on this train since the beginning of time. Anyways, we're starting to follow our main character named Cheryl. And she's on this train, minding her own business. And then she starts seeing this figure in the window. And this goes all the way through the rest of the ride till the song plays out. She gets off the train by herself. And you get the setup of a classic horror flick right here where you're alone, you're walking, and you feel like something's chasing you. So during this setup, you get glimpses of her looking around and seeing somebody is actually after her. And you get a glimpse of that metal-faced creature that she saw in the window when she was on the train. So yeah, she's freaking out and trying to get out of there as fast as possible. And it's kind of cliche now, but the fact of her running and getting away, getting on an escalator, going up to the top, still staring back, and he's at the top of the escalator. She's scared to death. She meets him face to face. Anyway, she's frozen in fear, and he reaches in, and he pulls out a ticket and gives it to her, then starts walking off. Then you start seeing other people start coming into where she's at in the building, and he's just handing out these tickets. When she kind of realizes what's going on, she walks back up to him and asks for another one so she can take a friend. So we cut to outside where her friend Kathy is standing waiting for Cheryl to get off the train because they've got a class they're supposed to go to, and Cheryl convinces her friend, hey, let's skip class. Let's go check out this movie we got tickets for. That's the great thing about this, too, is there's no indication of what the movie is. It's just a free movie pass. Then we get a shot of the theater, which is absolutely cool looking on the outside. The Metropole, it looks incredible. And we get a shot of, I guess, the director of the theater that's in there. Uh, a young red-headed lady who's pulling up her stockings. Uh, this is also Argento royalty, I guess you would say. She's in a movie that we'd definitely be talking about pretty soon. She was a whole lot younger in that, but that's kind of how these guys work. They like to use the same people, even if they're, you know, 15 years later. So, yeah, just some more Argento greatness right here. And we get a shot of inside the lobby. And the centerpiece is a dirt bike, and the only best way to describe this is on top of the dirt bike is a Rob Halford Screaming for Vengeance stage outfit from 1982 sitting on the bike, holding a samurai sword, and there's also a demon mask that's hanging off of it as well, a metal demon mask. <gasps> so we cut to later on that evening when everybody starts showing up to come check out this film, and we get a little bit of character introduction here. Not much. Again, the Italians don't worry about that stuff because you just want to see carnage. So first, you kind of get the, the married couple that's coming in. They're on their anniversary. So this guy got these tickets for free, and he's taking his wife to see his movie for an anniversary. Yeah, dude, way to go. This night's going to end bad regardless. I don't care what happens in it. It's just going to end bad. Not a good idea, folks. Might want to take note of that. And I have to say that when you're looking at the walls in these scenes, you're focusing on the people, but there's a barrage of some incredible movie posters that are up. Even an ACDC one. Haven't figured that out yet. It's one of those things where every time I watch it, I find a new one I didn't see before. So there's you some trivia. Then we get the young and in love couple that come walking in. Then we get the GQ guys that come in. They're all suave, checking things out, and they're kind of attracted to Kathy and Cheryl. I'd love to hear the explanation for this, but we get a blind dude going to a movie with his 
girlfriend, wife, sister, daughter? Don't really know. Anyway, the blind dude walks up and accidentally touches that mask that's hanging off the motorcycle and tells the girl not to touch it because it's evil. And she's like, touch what? And he reaches for it and it's gone. Because we get the introduction of one of the coolest characters ever in a movie, Bobby Rhodes. He's a pimp at large, Tony the Pimp. And he's got two ladies of the night with him. And one of the ladies that looks like Rick James. She's a very kicky girl. The kind you don't take home to my Grabs that mask and puts it on and tries to scare them with the mask. And he tells her to put it back. So she takes it off. It kind of makes a little scratch on her face. So she puts the mask back up. And then we just roll on into the theater. That'll teach you to touch things. So now we've got everybody kind of sitting down and our GQ guys are walking in and they see the two ladies, Cheryl and Kathy, sitting down and they decide they're going to go sit with them and make their moves on them. Then the lights go out and we get some flashing on the screen and then we get some Motley Crue. That's right. This soundtrack in this movie is incredible. <laughs> And you get a list of them at the beginning of the movie. I kind of missed that while I go, but the list of characters. I'm talking Motley Crue. I'm talking Accept. I'm talking some Saxon and some Rick Springfield and Go West. Billy Idol. It's like, phew, right? <laughs> so this movie is rolling. We've already got a winter going on. I can tell you that. And the movie's about a group of teens that are going bike riding. <gasps> the bike out front. So they're riding around and they're looking for the tomb of Nostradamus. And then they find his tomb and they open it up and inside they find that metal demon mask that's in there. Wow, this is all really starting to tie together, right? And while this is going on, we get a crowd check to see how everybody is doing. And we've got the blind guy asking the lady beside him, his wife, girlfriend, whatever she is, what's going on on the screen? He might as well just be working a Rubik's Cube. So I really just don't get the explanation <laughs> of why we have this go. Oh, we do get an explanation because now this dude just walks up real quietly and sits beside the girl and they just instantly start making out with the blind dude right there. That's the explanation. And while this is going on, we're paying attention to what's happening on the screen. And one of the characters in the movie, and he puts that mask on. And when he pulls the mask off, guess what? It scratches his face. And as soon as it does... Rosemary or Rick James, her face starts bleeding again. So Rosemary gets up and runs to the bathroom to take care of this bleeding. And at this point, the other girl asks Tony, wow, did you see that? What's happening in the movie? This kind of happened to Rosemary. And then, you know, Bobby Rhodes sets her straight. Yeah. You see that? The same thing happened in the movie. That's a bunch of shit, baby. And in the bathroom, we get some nastiness, man. So the little scratch just starts bubbling up, and then it just explodes. It is so nasty. And this stuff's going all over the place, and she's freaking out. It's awesome. So her other friend is worried because she's been gone so long, so she decides she's going to go check on her. And while this is going on, in the movie itself... It's almost turned into a slasher flick, so they're not necessarily changing in anything. They're just getting, I don't know, evil and wanting to stab people, that kind of crazy stuff. Pretty gory stuff on the screen. 
And the married couple that's there on the anniversary just cracks me up because she's saying, it's too bloody of a movie. And he just tells her to shut up because he's all into this flick, man. Matter of fact, he's already taking his jacket off because he's getting comfortable. Back in the bathroom, our new girl kind of walks in checking on Rosemary and man, does she get a surprise. Are you okay? <laughs> Rosemary turns around, looks like a possessed Rick James, and the other girl gets up and tries to run out, and Rick James jumps up and grabs her and just claws her neck. It's nasty looking. So she takes off running away from Rick James, and the movie is going on. The soundtrack is so loud. You can't hear any of this commotion that's going on, but she's running around screaming, bleeding really bad, and just in a panic. And you get some really cool Argento-looking scenes right here. The lighting, the long hallways, very reminiscent of like a Suspiria or something like that. So you can definitely tell the influence here on some of these shots. Anyways, during the chase, our girl hides behind a doorway. And Rick James comes up and stops. And she sees her. And really, at this point, I changed my mind. She don't really look like Rick James. She looks like a possessed Terrence Trent Darby. Wish me love wishing well You can look that one up. Then the demon just goes on by. And now our blind guy realizes he's there by himself. And we cut to the girl and her boyfriend that just showed up. And they're off, you know, getting refreshments behind the curtain. And uh, Terrence Trent Darby just basically takes a, a rope, you know, like a guide rope, <laughs> wraps it around the neck, and is literally pulling their heads together. I don't know if it's a strangulation thing, but it's almost like it's making them suffocate each other with their own faces. It's really bizarre. Real bloody, crazy. Again, the Italians love to show you something you've never seen before. I ain't never seen this before. And here's a scene that just never made a lot of sense to me, but the demon finds the blind guy and gouges his eyes out. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So now the other girl that got scratched earlier is behind the movie screen, trying to find her way out to find some help. And the editing right here is pretty amazing because on the screen in the movie, there's a knife that's coming down on the screen and the girl's back there banging on the screen and it causes a rip to start happening. And it's right where the knife is coming down on the screen. It's pretty brilliant. Anyways, the knife comes down on the screen, the screen opens up and she falls out in front of the screen right there on this little platform. And everybody rushes up and trying to figure out what's going on. The movie's still rolling. Soundtrack is still loud, blaring, and we just get some awesomeness right here. Which leads me up to just one of the scenes that belong in this new segment that I love to call, Can Your Movie Do That? How do they do that anyway? Well, first off, we get the iconic line from Bobby Rhodes himself. Get out of my way! What's the matter with you? Holy shit! She's a friend of mine! And while all the commotion is going on, on the screen itself, we're starting to see a transformation on the screen. 
Somebody in the movie is turning into a demon. Well, guess what? I think we're starting to put the pieces of the puzzle together. Whatever happens on the screen starts happening in the theater. And we get a transformation scene that's just really, really incredible. It's starting off with their fingers just busting open at the ends and the claws coming out of the ends. It just, it's painful to watch. It's really, really great effects right here. And you get some really great looking makeup effects. This kind of thing jumps back and forth between real people and some prosthetic stuff. But I think together it still works really well. Again, show me something I haven't seen before. You haven't seen this before. Because not only do we get the cool makeup, but then you get the crazy tongue scene that comes out. Really bizarre. Then it comes back to the teeth start falling out, which again, is just really painful to watch. And I don't know what happened, but she ended up having some nasty teeth before they started falling out. And everybody just standing here looking at this when it's going on. And my response would be, run away as fast as possible. I don't need a show. Let's just split. But because nobody runs, and when she finally transforms, she jumps up, and she grabs the dude that took his wife on the anniversary, grabs him around the neck while he's trying to get away, and just rips his throat open. Still looks amazing. At this point, everybody is hoofing it, and they're trying to get out of the theater. And when they get to the main entrances to get out, they realize it's all been boarded up. It's been concrete blocked shut. How this happened so quickly, who knows? One of those things that's not explained doesn't really make a lot of sense, but hey, it's all about suspension of belief, right? Anyways, they can't get out. That's the premise. So while everybody's going hysterical, that's when Bobby Rhodes, Tony the Pimp, starts taking command and telling people what to do. Be quiet! Listen to me! Let's find the emergency exit! And they're taking off running, trying to find another way out. And on the way, this lady in a blue dress just happens to look in this room. Don't know why. It's dark in there. But she decides to go into the room. And when she looks back out of the room, she sees a lot of the other people that are in the theater running by screaming. So she goes to look out, and then there's Terrence Trent Darby chasing behind him. She comes in there and pretty much just scalps this woman. It's pretty impressive work. So yeah, all this stuff is happening so fast. It's just a barrage of madness going on right here. And that's why this movie, I think, really stands alone as far as the effects and just the, the way this movie just starts hammering on you. Can your movie do that? You know it can't. Then our two GQ guys happen to see this going on in this room, and they walk over to see what's happening. And then Terrence Trick Darby jumps at them, and they shut the door on her, and she's halfway hanging out, and they're just kind of holding her in there and trying to get out. It's pretty intense. <laughs> And then Tony the Pimp and some other guy grabs a Coke machine. They take the Coke machine, they ram it against the door, and it forces Terrence Trent Darby back in the room. And just like in all the other Italian flicks, they love having fingers sticking through a doorway so you can start mashing them and watching them fall off. So yeah, they take a couple of digits off this demon's hand. And that's the thing about this, too. They try to make it relative. 
Not everybody's had their throat ripped out, but a whole bunch of people have mashed their finger, so you know what that feels like. That's the beauty of these flicks. So now Kathy, the smart one in a whole bunch, starts putting together and giving us the actual fact of what's going on in the movie is happening in the theater. So you kind of have to react to that. And then Bobby Rhodes, Tony the Pimp, gives us a recap of all that. Because of that scratch, she became a demon, an instrument of evil. Like they said in the damn movie, you heard them. Right? Yes. We gotta stop it. <laughs> Believe me, we gotta stop the movie. So he rallies the troops and says, we got to go stop that movie. So Bobby breaks down a couple of doors and they go in the projection booth and there's nobody in there. It's all automated. So yeah, they start trying to destroy the projector. So Bobby gives them another great line of dialogue and some pretty impressive instructions. Smash everything! Smash everything! Smash everything! And they stop the film. Now in a weird twist, we go to the outside world and we meet a bunch of low-life losers that are hanging out. It's really weird how these people really come into play. But hey, that's the way this movie rolls. So it's a group of misfits led by a dude named Ripper. And man, what a group. We got a dude named Hot Dog. We got a dude named Baby Pig. And Nina. Sounds like a rock band. And let's talk about Nina for just a second. I've been trying to figure out who she reminds me of. And it's really like if Billy Idol, Cindy Lauper, and then Alfred E. Newman got together and had a baby. <laughs> That's kind of what she looks like. She's a hottie. So after everybody else has busted up the projector, they run up on the balcony and they find old blind dude sitting there. And he tells everybody, it's not the movie that's making this happen. It's the actual theater that's making it happen. While there, Bobby sees the body of his companion that's laying there and he decides we need to get rid of this body because who knows, this thing may come back alive. So he's going to throw the body over the edge and they start arguing about the fact of why they should throw it over the edge. And during that time, and during that time, our anniversary guy that got his throat ripped up jumps up on the balcony ledge and starts attacking. And then Bobby pulls out a switchblade and starts going to town on this demon and knocks him back down on the theater floor where he lands on top of a girl that we followed from earlier, the little love couple we had earlier going on, which happens to be Dario Argento's daughter who pops into movies here and there from time to time. Anyways, he lands on top of her and he just starts spewing this mess all over Pretty wicked. I don't know if he got sick because he's afraid of heights or <laughs> what the deal is, but yeah, pretty nasty. And then up on the balcony, they realize that the dude that was messing around with Blind Dude's woman is now hung by his neck and hanging over the ledge by that rope that the, that uh, Terrence Trent Darby killed him with earlier. So he's dead and he's hanging there. And that's how the demon climbed up and got to him on the balcony a while ago. So they need to cut this rope and drop that body off. So Bobby takes the switchblade knife that he has, got blood all over it, and he hands it to Mr. GQ and says, cut that rope, let's get rid of that. At this point, Bobby decides he's going to tell everybody to start breaking all the chairs and everything because we're going to block ourselves in here that way no demons can get up here to us. And in the process of trying to tell everybody how to smash everything, Bobby goes to kick a chair and then Blind Dude's Lady jumps up and just takes a big old chunk out of his leg. So he stands there, this is how tough Bobby Rhodes is. He stands there while she's gnawing on his leg and is asking dude to give him back the switchblade so he can take care of business with this demon too. And then somehow our dead soap on the rope demon dude down here comes alive and 
somehow pulls himself back up to the balcony and he grabbed Bobby Rhodes and we just got mayhem going on. Now, that's some talent. To be hung with your neck broke and you come back and you grab the rope and pull yourself back up. Anyways, Bobby Rhodes has the two demons and all three of them fall over the ledge and then Mr. GQ cuts the rope into Bobby Rhodes. So now we're back with Ripper and his gang and they kind of get in a fight over passing around the Coke can. They're driving around in the car and they're snorting Coke out of a Coke can. A little too literal there, I think. And they spill the cocaine everywhere and Ripper gets all upset and tells them they have to pick up every bit of it. And we just get some bizarre happenings here too with a razor blade and the lady's breastesis. So back inside the theater, we're starting to try to find another escape plan. We have barricaded ourselves in here with all the doorways and stuff. So now we're using a fire extinguisher to try to break through a wall and see if we can get out of this place. And while they're banging on the walls, Ripper and his gang have decided to park their car down the alleyway behind the theater. And they start hearing the banging from inside. And it has to be said, every time we cut back to the gang with Ripper and the bunch, somebody's always got a straw up their nose. The amount of cocaine these guys are doing would put Scarface to shame. They should be legally dead by now. Back inside, they bust through on the walls and it leads to another room that's in the building. So we thought we were getting out, but actually we're just going into another room. And while this is going on, we got Argento's daughter has met back up with her boyfriend. And they're in the lobby and they're trying to find their way out of here to get away from all the demons. And they're just running around rapidly. So you're kind of getting these panning back and forth shots of going from one thing to the other. Just kind of keep you going. And our other group that breaks into this room is just a bricked up room. There's nothing going on in there. But everybody just starts going psycho in here. I don't know if they're just losing it. They said that they're hearing something. The sound in there is driving them crazy. But it just gets real, real chaotic right here. So at this point, they just decide to all go back to the balcony and just chill. Back outside, Ripper and his gang's just hanging out, and the cops spot them. So they get out of the car and take off running, and the cops start chasing them. But they go down the alleyway, and there's no way to get out. There's a door to the theater that's there, and they're trying to open it, and it won't open. And then all of a sudden, the door just opens by itself. Should you go in? Probably not. So they go inside the theater, and the door closes. And then our cops run into the alleyway, and they see a figure over there. So what, what you kind of see when this door opens is a figure kind of comes running out. Well, they're thinking it's probably one of these people from the gang. So the cops go over there, and guess who it is? It's Blind Dude, but now he's a demon. So Demon Blind Guy smacks one of the cops. You know me, I love the smacking. And then he grabs the barrel of the gun, and a cop shoots through his hand, blowing off some fingers and stuff. <laughs> it's a pretty awesome effect. Looks pretty awesome. Back inside, we've got our couple that's in the lobby trying to find a way out, and they go into a ventilation system. So they open the grate, and they start crawling through to get away from the demons. And while they're going through here, the boyfriend keeps hearing a noise that's back behind them, thinking that something's following them in the ventilation system. He keeps looking back. They don't see anything. They keep moving forward. They get to a turn in the ventilation system, and he lets the girlfriend go in front of him, and she starts going in front. And then he starts saying, now I hear the noise in front of me. This guy's not very smart. It's impossible! Can't be! And now that we have Ripper and company inside, they're in the lobby running around trying to figure out what's going on. They don't see anything, but they go down the hallway, and then Billy Idol chick looks into the room that we went into earlier, the abandoned room. She goes inside, looking around, 
stands in front of a mirror and decides maybe some lipstick will help her appearance? I don't know. Putting lipstick on, you see some goo running down the side of the mirror, and you're thinking, well, maybe something's going to jump through the glass. That'd be kind of cool. But she's standing there, and she drops the lid to her lipstick, and she bends over to pick it up. And when she bends over, right behind her is crazy scalped woman demon with the blue dress on. I think it's an old song. Demon with the blue dress, blue dress. Anyways, scalped crazy woman spewing stuff out of her mouth, just wanting to choke somebody. And at this point in the movie, we get some of the iconic standout images that are just... And at this point, we get some really standout footage that everybody kind of thinks of and they think of this movie. It's where all the demons are coming down the hallways. It's really in slow motion. you got backlighting that's up behind them. It's really cool looking. They're really running, but it's in slow motion. So you kind of get the $6 million man effect. And who's leading these demons down the hallway? You got it. Bobby Rhodes, Tony the Pimp. And this just looks top-notch, man. I mean, it's very, very iconic looking. Them just running towards the camera, and their shadows are on the ceiling coming across. Just looks fantastic. So now all of our group that are upstairs on the balcony hear all the racket going on. They're thinking, hey, somebody's here. They're going to save us. Actually, just all the demons coming alive. So they start tearing down all the barricades. Not a smart thing to do. And down in the lower part of the theater when all this is going on, Ripper and his bunch is being attacked left and right by demons that are still down there. And needless to say, now demons are just popping up through the barricades that we've had in front of these doorways. And now it is on. We got one girl that's crawling across the floor trying to sneak out, and a demon grabs her and flips her over and jabs his fingers down her throat, and she bites his fingers off like a bunch of blood-filled Twizzlers. You see Tony the Pip. You see Rick James. They're just going through just slashing people. And then the GQ boys and Cheryl and Kathy sneak out through the barricade just like the demons came in. They find a place and they kind of crawl their way out to get back out into the rest of the theater. And at this point, they're realizing Kathy is not feeling too well. She's a little bit unconscious. They're just having to drag her along as they go. When they get out into the lobby, they see that the air conditioning unit is open. They say, hey... Let's get in there. So they decide they're going to put Kathy in first because she's not feeling too good. But when they go to get her, she's laying on the floor and has her back to everybody. Never a good sign. And she turns around and gives them that demon stare. And her would-be boyfriend smacks her with the metal door. And he starts knocking her down. He's whacking her like Suge Knight. But she's not done. And that sets up another moment for us of another, can your movie do that? Anyway, while she's down on all fours on the floor, her back starts bulging out. We get some wackiness right here. Look at her back! I mean, come on! Where else have you seen that? I've seen other movies that kind of have this idea in them, but they totally took it from this movie right here. This is insane. And what's so weird, it's hard to determine the size of this thing. Because if it came out of her back, is it little? Is it dwarfy? Is it human size? We don't really know because you see it running. It seems like it's a head level. Sometimes it seems small. 
don't really know. But you know what? It really doesn't matter because it just blew the top off of this awesome scale. And now the demon takes off across the room and it scratches the would-be boyfriend who's the best friend of the guy that kind of looks like American Ninja. And now he's scratched. So he takes off. He runs into the lobby and wants to be left alone. But American Ninja and the girl go in there to talk to him and try to give him a little pep talk. And then he asks American Ninja for a last request. Kill me with this samurai sword. It's a weird request, but hey, you want to be a good friend. Coming. Take it, George. Kill me. Don't let me be caught by them. Come on. Kill me. Coming. And of course he changes and he has to knock him off. And now the fun begins. You got Cheryl running up and down the aisles being chased by demons. You've got Dudikoff riding a motorcycle up and down the aisles, swinging a samurai sword, killing demons while Except is playing in the background. This is horror movie perfection, folks. Then he ends up crashing the bike, and we get a killer montage of just demon slashing going on with this sword. <laughs> great, great stuff right here. This will make any gorehound howl right here at this point. So where do you take it from here? How do you top this thing off? Where do you go with it? I'll tell you where. Never fear, folks, because the Italians are great of just taking it totally somewhere else. And it's exactly what they do. What's this movie missing? A helicopter! Yes, a helicopter comes crashing through the ceiling and crashes on the theater floor. Just when you thought it couldn't get any crazier. But the helicopter crashes, everybody on board is dead. And then in the back of the room, you got more demons coming in. And due to cough and, and Cheryl are trying to get out of there. And they reach inside the helicopter. And like I said, you know where this is going. The demons are coming up closer. So they decide to try to crank the helicopter. And the blade starts spinning. And you just slice and dice a bunch of demons right there on the spot. That's the whole point of the helicopter, really. Like I said, the Italians are great at taking ideas from other movies and just taking it another step higher. You took what happened in Dawn of the Dead with the one zombie that gets his head cut off. Hey, let's just kill a whole bunch of them at the same time. Why not? So they notice that now they have a way out in the roof where the helicopter came through. So luckily, on the helicopter, they find a harpoon gun. And you've got a winch that's attached to the helicopter. So they shoot the harpoon gun to give them a line where they can just climb out of the building. Just so crazy it just might work. So they shoot the line, they climb out, 
And on the top of the building, guess who's there? That's right. Old Metal Face Demon is up there waiting on him. So he's trying to push George back in the hole, back on the theater floor. Don't know why. Don't know why. Just don't try to kill him up there. But anyways, you know, you got the cliffhanger thing. He's hanging on the edge. And then while in the process of doing that, Cheryl stabs old Metal Face with the harpoon. And with some great teamwork, they push old Demon Face down on a piece of metal that's sticking up through the concrete, basically shish him on that piece of metal. That's teamwork. And now that they're free to get away from Demon Face, they look across the town, they find their way down the building, and everywhere they go, it's just rampant. you got demons everywhere attacking people, running just through the streets. It's pretty awesome. It's very, very apocalyptic. It's almost giving you a sight that you really always wanted to see in the zombie flicks, but you never really got it. Uh, this is pretty effective. And they meet up with a family that's driving through in a Jeep, and they jump in the back of the Jeep with them, and they're taking off. And again, these people that are on this Jeep, they're all people from other Italian flicks too. Specifically, the little young boy, which he'll be brought up several times. We know him as Bob uh, from some other stuff. But yeah, they're in this Jeep, they're taking off, and you know something is happening right here just because the way that this is supposedly going to be the end of the movie and maybe leading into a part two or whatever, which there is a part two, but it kind of has a different twist to it. But they're riding off, and even the credits are starting to roll. And the camera is staying on George and Cheryl way too long. And when they're riding, they keep panning back and forth, showing the front of them, looking off in the distance, and then some shots from behind. And then all of a sudden, Cheryl turns into a demon, and the little boy turns around with the shotgun and blasts her, and she flies out of the back of the Jeep, and the Jeep just keeps on rolling. The end. That's a great way to end the movie because it just kind of leaves it open to keep continuing going. Um, I'm really surprised they didn't carry it further than this as far as a sequel but hey what do i know this is one of those movies that the first time you see it you have to tell people about it you have to show it to other people because it's got so much stuff in it and it moves so fast just over the top effects doesn't get boring it's just a well-made fun film it's it's a zombie film cranked to 11 and I think if you've been following me through all these episodes so far, I think you see a common thread of all these movies I've talked about so far. It's not really based on the acting or over-the-top budget nonsense. All of these movies, even if just for a moment, show you something you haven't seen before. And I absolutely love that. That's the thrill of these movies. That's how they stay memorable. They show you something you've never seen before. That was my thrill as a young person when I checked these movies out. I'd go rent a stack of as many as possible and set them up there and throw them in one by one and say, okay, show me what you got. Show me something different. And these movies aren't perfect, but what the things that they do lack in, they make up for in originality. And that's really what's important to me. How many movies have been made about a deranged lunatic chasing some kids with a weapon? Hundreds come to mind, right? How many movies can you think of where demons are attacking people in a movie theater? I can only think of one. And that's called originality, which is really odd, because for the Italians, most of their films are kind of ripping off other ideas and trying to make them original. So it's a bizarre twist of taking that idea and, like I said, just cranking it up. And I'm sorry, I have to say right here, I can't see a fast-moving zombie movie and not think of demons. This is the template for all of those movies that we've had ever since. The fast-moving zombie craze, it all started right here. 
These were the first things that were rabid and just attacking people like a pack of dogs. Does that sound familiar? Rant time? Rant time. This will be kind of short because we've already kind of talked about this before. Not necessarily about the fast-moving zombie thing, but just the fact of originality and knowing where all this stuff came from. You have to appreciate the originals. And that's really the problem I have. We teach history in school for a reason, right? One, so we don't repeat ourselves. Two, so we know how things came to be. Same thing here. It's hard to be a horror fan and not appreciate what got you to the stuff that you find most interesting. Horror is always going to evolve. And it always will. That's what's great about it. But you're fooling yourself if you just miss a movie because of its age. And a prime example of that, you sit home by yourself, turn off all the lights, and throw in 1922's Nosferatu, a silent film, and tell me you don't get creeped out in some parts. The fact of him standing and staring through the screen at you, I'm sorry, it's still nerve-wracking. And we've lost that essence because our attention span dies about as fast as those sea monkeys you bought three days ago. So appreciate the originals. You'll be surprised how many scenes in movies now come from an idea from long ago. It's just a spin on an old original idea. So the idea of kicking the classics to the curve because either there's just an old film or you don't like overdubbing or I don't like to read subtitles. Man, that's just as irritating as that guitar solo at the end of that song, Layla. So remember, the movies that you're enjoying now that are current films in 10, 15 years are going to be old movies. And they may be near and dear to you, and you're going to try to show them to a younger generation, and they're not going to like it because they don't dress currently. They dress old style. They are totally missing the point of what you're trying to show them. And it's the same thing I'm talking about right here with these flicks. Yes, they are older, but the idea and originality outweighs anything that's current that's coming out. Without these films, you don't have the current films. So the impact of Demons, this movie right here, is way bigger than anybody gives it credit for. You should have this in your collection. If you don't have this in your collection, you might as well just hang it up because this is a top-tier horror movie. I don't care who you are. This has been a whole lot of fun. Go buy Demons right now, or if you already have it, go check it out again. It never gets old. Till next time, we will check you later. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, how would you like to actually see it? Check out the House of Wax channel on YouTube and have access to content that will only be available on that channel. Don't forget while watching this, click that subscribe button down there at the bottom. That way you know when the next show is coming up. Also, don't be a jerk. Go check out Legion Podcast. You see the shirt right here where you can buy this very shirt, all kinds of other merchandises. Not to mention the incredible lineup of horror podcasts that are on that show. Do yourself a favor. Go check it out right now.